So everyone follows someone or something. We are made to follow. We can see that from the beginning of time. You can see that kings arose and they had what? Subjects that followed them. Uh, leaders have risen that have followers that follow after them. And even in modern times, we have followers on social media. It's just this natural thing that people are made by default to follow. And despite our best efforts to, to be leaders, each others to lead, we inherently have this built-in default to follow. But the question is, is that ingrained bend toward being a follower the main issue in our culture? Uh, or, or is that the main problem that we should address? Well, well, Christianity understands that people are actually designed to be followers, which sounds really different in our culture that we try to talk about independence and leadership. But, but we are actually designed to be followers, but followers of Christ. We were made to have an eternal relationship with our Creator and to follow Him and to have a relationship with Him and do what He wants us to do. And only when we do that, when we follow Christ, can we ever lead others to do the same. But we lead others to be followers, which sounds kind of unique, right? So we're to lead others to be followers of Jesus Christ. The problem is, after sin entered the world in Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man, our corrupted nature, our sinful flesh was changed. We still had this ingrained, innate following ability, but instead of following Christ, instead of following God, we decided to follow evil. We decided to follow people who did evil. Man naturally now rebels against God and follows what he truly wants, which is sin, pride. And, and so it's important to note that even those who think they're not followers, you're one of those people that are nonconformists or they're atheists and they're like, I don't follow anyone, I don't follow anything. The Bible's clear they're still followers, they're just followers or, or followers or their father of the devil. Uh, we see in John 8, 44 through 45, their ideas of nonconformity did not come from their own self. Their ideas have come from Satan, who is the first rebel against God. It all comes from him. With all that in mind, we're now given a decision that each of us should make that's up there now. Who do you follow? So let's read our scripture today. Luke chapter 6, verse, starting at verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word, words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. There's just some deep stuff here. This is a, another difficult message. Um, I'm pretty sure they almost all are in your word. You just speak so um, truthfully, and your truth is so countercultural. Uh, the things that we naturally would lean toward are usually sin, as we saw since the fall in the garden. But God, open up our hearts and minds to hear your hard words and to put them in practice by 
the power of your Holy Spirit. As that last song we sang, we can't do it on our own. We know that it takes your Holy Spirit, you working in us, to do any good. So God, uh, be with us, open up our hearts and minds, and may your Spirit illuminate your Scripture for us today as we go through it together. We thank you for the privilege to, to study it. I thank you for the privilege to be able to preach it, and may you speak through me today. We love you, Lord. Amen. So we've been going through Luke's abbreviated version of the Sermon on the Mount that we see in Matthew 5-7 through 7 for the past few weeks. And today is actually going to be our last sermon on this Sermon on the Mount, this, uh, his abbreviated version here. And, and I hope that this has as much, uh, I think he really kind of ends it with an uppercut. Uh, you know, he's been jabbing us and giving us some pretty good punches throughout. We talked about how he went into direct commands. This is the first time in this gospel we've seen direct commands. And and he's going to go ahead and he's going to kind of uh, finish us off here, I think. Uh, today we're going to address three questions in regards to the scripture we have just read. The first question is, do you follow with discrimination? Do you follow with discrimination? I'm going to reread verse, verses 43. Uh, we'll start with just 43 and 44. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is shown by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. So I hesitated to use this word discrimination, even though it does mean what we need it to mean in this setting. But the word's kind of gotten a bad rap because of, of evil discrimination, racism, things like that. And I think because of that, that negative use of this word discrimination, uh, our, our culture has actually just given up on discriminating at all. And so the problem is, yes, there is an evil way to discriminate based on the color of someone's skin and things like that. Absolutely, that is sinful. And, and is to be regarded as such. But we should be able to discriminate between evil and good. We should be able to discern between evil and good, and that has now become a difficult thing to find. Most people seem to either lack the ability or the fortitude to discriminate and discern good from evil. They're afraid to call it evil because they're afraid it may make them appear unloving or narrow-minded. But brothers and sisters, we are called as believers to, dis to discriminate and discern good from evil. We're not just to blindly follow what our culture says. The overarching essence of the scripture that we've had in the Sermon on the Mount, from Luke's version especially, has been very self-reflective. Um, okay, this is all kind of coming at me. How do I respond to Jesus' words personally? And, and there still is an aspect of this, and we see this in, in Luke's version as well. Uh, he's, he's, he's told us the Beatitudes and woes. We went through that. He's taught us to love our enemies, to be gracious, to be generous and humble, and to lovingly aid our brothers and sisters who are in sin. And then that brings us to today. And today we're going to get an end cap, and really the foundation is what we're going to talk about of this message. Where is your foundation? Who do you follow? And then again, like we've talked about in the last few, we need to use the entire Bible. Uh, scripture interprets Scripture. And so when we look at Matthew's version, we see he has a different spin on this. So we're going to actually have two aspects of this. And Matthew says, starts off uh, the tree and its fruit, which is very similar to Luke's. But he starts off saying this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So this is an important distinction because now it's not overtly only self-reflective, but it's also looking at false teachers. It's looking at who do you follow. So that's where we came up with that name for this message. So Jesus has just asserted in 43 through 44 that we just talked about a little bit, little bit ago, that some trees have good fruit, some trees have bad fruit. And we know it's a good tree because it has good fruit. We know it's a bad tree because it has bad fruit. So what fruit is Jesus talking about here? You know, you're like, okay, well, it's apples, 
oranges? No, no, no. He's talking about a person's conduct, their their deeds, their speech, their their moral attitude. Uh, those who are in Christ have good fruit, and that good fruit can be found in Galatians five, twenty two through twenty three. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such things there is no law. So looking back at verse forty four, he says that the good a, a tree is known by its fruit. What you see on the tree is is what it is. So figs, they're not gathered from thorn bushes, right? Uh, grapes aren't gathered from a bramble bush. A thorn bush produces what thorn bushes produce, which is thorns, right? Uh, so you're looking for the fruit of a thorn bush. You, you're going to be picking, painfully picking thorns is what's going to happen if you're trying to pick a fruit from that. So you know what kind of tree or plant is planted by seeing the fruit that it produces. And I think it's really interesting that Jesus says this right after what we talked about last week. We talked about the, the, the two people. One had a, a log in his eye, and we talked about how, you know, you take people out with that if you're trying to get the speck in somebody else's. I mean, I think it's really interesting because if you're not seeing clearly, one cannot discern well. I, I wear contacts and glasses, and so if, when I'm not using them, I'm not sure I'd be able to tell what type of tree I was looking at unless I got really, really, really close and maybe even touched it. I may be like, I don't know, it could be an orange tree, it could be an apple tree. It may be a thorn bush. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure from here. And so that it's pretty dangerous to just blindly say, I'm going to go pick an apple. Ah, you know, you've got thorns in your hand. That's probably not the wisest thing. So it, with that example, with that illustration, albeit somewhat, uh, you know, loosely interpreted there, um, we use the Holy Spirit. We use the Word of God to be able to see Clearly, if we want to be able to see clearly to see what we're looking at, uh, whether whether it's a stump or it's a tree, you know, we we need we need to have a the clear glasses. We're going to be able to see whether that tr that tree, that person that has fruit, whether that fruit is it godly fruit, is it good fruit, or is it bad fruit. We can only tell that by the word of God. It tells us what the good fruit is and tells us what the bad fruit is. Moving on to verse forty-five, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So Jesus applies this illustration of fruit bearing to the human heart, as we mentioned. So he starts off with the good person. Some of you all, if you all have listened to me for a long time, you're going to say, Romans 3, no one is good. Is Jesus disagreeing with his word? Well, we know that someone is good because they have what? God in them the Holy Spirit. So we're speaking of believers, and the only thing good in us as believers is the Holy Spirit. We can be called good only because of who lives in us, because we, our flesh, is not good. Uh, we want to do what's wrong. It's natural there. But, but because of our, our mediator, Jesus Christ, and because of the Holy Spirit that is in us, we can be seen by God as good. Praise God for his salvation and his grace through that. Yet those who are evil, those without Christ, will produce evil because their hearts are evil. And Jesus hits one such evil that is clearly evident. If we're looking for an evil fruit that sometimes is the easiest fruit to see, even if your glasses are a little fogged up, you can still usually see this one because you can hear it and you listen to their speech. If you want to really know where someone's heart is, Jesus says, listen to them. What comes out of their mouth? Because if your speech is evil, Jesus says, your heart is evil. How many times do people say, oh, I didn't really mean what I said? It's like, well, Jesus says, you say what's coming out of your heart. I get that we're, none of us are perfect, absolutely. But let's just let that sit for a moment. Jesus tells us that the things we say gives us a microscopic and up-close view of our hearts. <coughs> so how is your speech, my friends? 
I mean, obviously, we're all going to fail at some point. James chapter 3 actually tells us that no one can tame the tongue completely. None of us can be perfect with our tongue. It's a deadly poison, actually, is what he says. Um, it, it's, it says it's set on fire by hell, actually, if you really read it. It's a very great chapter. If you want to see how hard it is to struggle with your mouth and that kind of thing, definitely read James chapter 3. It will help you through that. But the question is, are you known by bad fruit when it comes to your mouth? What you say? Uh, are you known as being ungracious all the time? Uh, are you known as being hypercritical? It's, you always have that, yeah, yeah. You, you always have that beat down for the next person. You're just sharp. Everything that you say hurts other people. Are you known for having hateful speech? There's just groups of people that you just talk bad about all the time, and you gossip, and you do this. Is that how, how you're, you're known? Is that who you are? Is that what comes out of your heart? And I would argue we need to repent, my friends, if that is us. If, if we look at ourselves and we evaluate our, ourselves, and one way you can do that, ask people. Ask your family. Ask your friends. To, do, am I a gracious person the way that I speak and how I treat people and, and the way that I say things? Or would I fall into these categories? You know, because they're going to help you see. They're able to see a lot of times more clearly than you are what comes out of your mouth. They're able to kind of take that some. And here's the thing, if you're known as always being hateful, always being this, always, there's a chance you're not a believer. And that's a scary thing, because he says out of the overflow, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if everything that comes out of your mouth is evil for the most part, then Jesus says your heart is evil. Is this a struggle? Yeah, we have different struggles. We all are more sanctified in other areas, and, and we should be getting gradually more sanctified. But is really every piece of fruit that comes out of your mouth, everything there, is it, is it bad? I pray that you repent and truly turn to Christ. Jesus says that he will take your heart of stone, your old heart, and he'll give you a new one in Ezekiel. We see this, Ezekiel uh, 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. How, how beautiful is that? So if you catch yourself, yeah, some of us, it just takes a long time for some of us. Some of us are slower at certain areas. You know, there's, there's always those just kryptonite for us that we just really struggle with. So I'm not trying to make you doubt your salvation if you are a true believer. But I also don't want to make you assume that everything is good if everything that comes out of your mouth is evil. Because Jesus says, test your heart here. If everything that comes out is evil, we need to, we need to deal with that. And I think it's important that we, that we examine ourselves, that we personalize this. But it's also important that we see Matthew's parallel version in Matthew 7.15. Remember it said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So Matthew moved on to talk about this fruit in light of false prophets, false teachers, and that's why I've entitled this message, Who Do You Follow? So, my, my friends, there are many out there that say certain things that sound good. Uh, they, they, they sound reasonable. Uh, they even, they just kind of hit, they, they, they tickle that itch in your ears. Uh, they, 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 they seem like, oh man, this just makes sense. I, I really like that. I like to hear that. It makes me feel good about myself. It tells me that I can do whatever I want to do. It says that I can choose whatever I want to. Uh, be, be careful because as you get close to that fig tree that's been saying it's a fig tree, it may actually be a thorn bush. It, it may be trying to act like it's a fig tree, but when you really look at the fruit, there are thorns all over it. And, and they may promise, you know, blessings. They may promise good things, but they leave you bitter and they leave you with pain and suffering. Each time that you partake of that fruit, it brings suffering and darkness. Be, beware of false teachers. Beware of ravenous wolves. 
dressed in sheep's clothing. There's so many out there, especially in politics and in religion, both uh, in, our, in, our, in our world. Beware of who you follow. So my friends, uh, may, may we be sure to follow with discrimination discernment. And our next question we need to ask is, do you follow with determination? Do you follow with determination? I'm going to read verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Do I even need to preach anymore after that? Like, I think we all just need to repent and probably come to the altar after that one. Like, I know I read that all week, and I was like, man, you know, here I am writing this sermon, and I'm, you know, I, I've got some good things about other people. You know, I can, I can preach and be like, oh, yeah, and I'm just sitting there, you know, I just do something dumb. You know, think something. I'm like, why do I call him Lord, Lord, and not do what he tells me to do? Why do I disobey? Why do I struggle with pride? Or why do I struggle with, like, what, you know, and it just, man, you know, every time I preach, I always tell people, you know, I, I, get by, get, I go behind the woodshed and take my, my, my two-by-four to the head a few times so that I can get up here and preach to you all with any type of conscience because his word is sharp. It is penetrating. It, it does divide the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it does uncover the secrets of the heart. And, man, it, it was a, a good week of study when it comes to product productivity, um, in my life, but, but it is hard. So, so who do you follow? Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? And I love Jesus' boldness here as he calls out false converts or people with the wrong motives. Uh, so many people give lip service to him, but he doesn't just let them play the game. He didn't let us uh, do that. He calls us to follow him in complete obedience, and he commands us not to be only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Look at James 1.22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, what? Deceiving yourselves. Wow, like that's a tough word, deceiving yourselves. Uh, you know, that kind of goes back to the, to the speech thing, to what's coming out of our, our mouth, what's in our heart. Are we deceiving ourselves? And this will be a theme in this whole message that Jesus gives here. So church, Jesus challenges us with these words today. I pray that we are all true converts here. I pray that that is not applicable to us as far as being deceived. But here's the thing. I know that we are not as obedient as we could be. I know that we all have areas that we're struggling with, some of which we're not struggling very hard, some of which we give in without much of a struggle, which is a dangerous place to be. But the question is, are we predominantly doers of the word, or do we fall into the hearers only camp? So how many of us, just think about this, how many of us amen the things of God, yet do not do the things of God? How many of us amen the things of God, and yet do not do the things of God? I feel like this, this happens a lot with us. You know, so we hear the teachings, but we surely aren't doing it much. How many of us agree that people need Jesus? Let's raise our hand. Everybody here would say, hey, the problem with our world is that they need Jesus. This is the biggest issue. Uh, how many of us here believe that Christ is the only way to God and, and salvation? I pray that we all would say that, right? But here's the thing. That's the hearing part. We've heard it, and we agree, and we amen it. But how many of us are sharing the gospel with those in our lives? We're hearers. We listen, and we agree, and we amen. Yeah, 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 church. Yeah, it, people need Jesus, but we don't do it. 
We, we believe, or, you know, but we don't practice. How many of us agree that we are to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ, yet that really failed to do anything but for anybody but ourselves? We just serve ourselves. How many of us agree that the church is how God has chosen to reach this world? As ugly as his bride can be at times as we talk about, how many of us agree with that, but yet we fail to make it the priority that God commands? I was talking to a church leader recently uh, who's been leading a, a Sunday school class of young adults, not just to pick on young people. It's, it's definitely the hardest there, but we see it throughout. And he's been doing it for four weeks, and they have a pretty big class, and not one person in that class made it all four times. Not one. And, and, and just, just how this has become a, an issue. So we used to consider regular church attendance as really being there three to four times a month. Now it's if you come once a month, then you're a regular attender. It's just amazing at how the priority of the body of believers is coming to come down. How, how many of us agree that God calls us to be generous, yet we store up treasures for ourselves and neglect giving to the Lord? The list goes on and on. I mean, I'm not trying to, to guilt you all into doing better, you know, because here's the thing, you, you can't without the power of God in you. But, but what I am asking me and you all to do is repent. This is what we need to be. We need to be a church of repentance, a humble church, a, not a church that just knows all the right theology and, man, yeah, we can, we can nail off this, we can nail off that. We, we can tell you that you know, salvation, we can give you a great, great uh, explanation and maybe a PowerPoint to show you how you can be saved. We can tell you what, what the book of Luke means, at least the first six chapters. Um, yeah, we went through that. We can tell you all these things, but are we doing what Jesus says? If we love him, we'll obey his commands, John 14, 15. And so I, I call me, I call us to being in a constant state of repentance. Being like, you know what, Lord? Not in a guilty way, not in a, in a condemnation way. Romans 8, 1, if we are in Christ, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I don't want you to feel the weight of your sin. Jesus Christ took it on the cross. But I want you to feel the weight of disobedience. If we are not obeying God, then we're not in a right relationship with him. We need to repent daily, sometimes multiple times daily of our failures and ask him, help me to do better. Empower me. I can't, right? Like Paul said, he, he doesn't do what he wants to do, but he does what he doesn't want to do. And he ends up with saying, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Like, I, I'm sure most of us have felt that way at times. We're like, God, just strike me down. Man, you just need to take me. Like, I can't do what's right. I continue to do what's wrong. And so we have no condemnation. Praise the Lord. He took that on the cross. But he does ask us to humble ourselves before him and repent and ask him to help us, to, to ask him to empower us to walk in what he has called us to do. So I pray that today you get even more serious about your commitment to Christ, that you don't just hear the word, that you do the word. And again, not from your own abilities. As we say time and time again, if you could, you already would. But yeah, ask God to, to equip and empower you to obey him through the power of the Holy Spirit. After this incredible charge from Jesus, he goes on to do a discourse on two foundations appropriately. Where is your foundation built? You can build your life on the false teachings of this world, or you can build them on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. You have to decide, and so let's see what Jesus says in verses 47 and 48, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid 
the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. So Christ speaks first on the foundation of, of true believers. And, th and there are three things here. True believers have come. True believers have come to Christ in salvation. Uh, they, they, they've, they have put their trust in Him and Him alone, not in themselves. They, they, they put their trust in Jesus Christ, God made flesh, who lived a sinless life, died on the cross for the sins of the world. True believers have repented of their sins and are followers of Jesus. They have decided to follow Jesus. Next, number two, they continue to hear. True believers continue to hear Christ's word. Uh, they, they do that by, by reading the word. They do that by hearing the word and gathering together and worship. They do that by growing through the word. They hunger and they thirst for it. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after you. Are you, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Look at the Psalms. It's just all throughout the Psalms, just a hunger and thirst for time with the Lord and through his word. But they don't only continue to hear, they continue to do. Perseverance of believers. True believers persevere. They, they don't just fizzle out. You know, you see those people who come to Christ and they go down the aisle and they're like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. Three weeks later, they're doing whatever they were doing before. They're not doers of the word. They heard it. Satan snatched it. You know, may we be doers of the word. Getting back to our, our scripture, uh, Jesus illustrates the true believers are illustrated through this foundation. A wise man lays a proper foundation. He, he digs until he hits rock and lays the foundation. This type of foundation building is certainly requires much more work. And here's the thing, Christ does the hard work for us. He does the digging for us, but we have to have determination to die to ourselves and not just build our house where we want to build it. A lot of us don't want to wait for that foundation to be dug, so we just do the building ourselves and say, hey, I'll you know, I want, I want this room to be right here. I, I'd like this foundation to, you know, I like, I know you're trying to build it right here, but I want to build it right here, and we like to take the reins. But the termination describing here is a metaphor for building one's life on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Interesting, this word rock is actually 131 times in the Bible in 120 different verses. And many times that the word rock comes out, it actually refers to God or to Jesus. I'm just going to give you a few examples. Psalm 62, 2. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. That goes along with this pretty well, doesn't it? Isaiah 26, 4. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. It's the rock that stands, continues on. Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. That is about Jesus Christ. Again, written 700 years before him. And then 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 11. According to the grace of God given me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is who? Jesus Christ. So I'd go on hours talking about how God is our rock, Jesus is our, our rock. But I love that last scripture that we just read because it shows Jesus Christ is our only true salvation. He is our only one true and solid rock in which we may build our lives. Because here's the thing. The storms of life will certainly come. Matthew's parallel actually talks about the storm that comes as well. And the flood waters are going to come. They're going to beat against your life. And 
only those who are built on a solid rock that is immovable will continue to stand. Those are the only ones that are secure. If you're a true believer, if you are a true follower of Christ, then you can be, you can know that you are eternally secure and how beautiful is that. But be sure that your foundation is built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and not on something else. So we discussed the need for discrimination, discernment, as well as the need for determination. We have one final question, and that is, do you follow knowing your destination? Do you follow knowing your destination? Or your last verse in verse 49. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, it immediately fell, and the ruin of the, that house was great. After mentioning the wise builder, Jesus discusses this foolish builder. This is the man who built his house without a foundation. The house may seem really beautiful on the outside. Man, it may just look great, but it's fragile and it's not sturdy, and there's no quality to this house, especially the foundation. I mean, consider, consider a lot of movie stars and athletes, uh, you know, singers, other, a lot of fam- famous people out there. Their lives, they, I mean, they appear so extravagant. Everybody's like, man, I'd love to be them. I'd love to have that money. I'd love to have that fame. I'd love people to see me that way. But what happens when life gets hard? Uh, what happens when that, that, that single they release, eh, they get the thumbs down. People don't, people don't like me. What happens to that movie they get? Man, it gets two thumbs down from Siskel and Ebert. I'm, I know that's a long, long time ago. Sorry, that, that, just, that just aged some of us. You like that? I, I remember that. Now they're like, who's Siskel and Ebert? All the young people are like, they give it two thumbs down. You know, what, what happens when, when life gets tough? Cisco and Ebert are around anymore for the young people out there. That's what, um, what, what, what happens when, when life gets tough? Well, when the storms of this life come, their lives are shaken and their lives crash down really quickly and bad things oftentimes happen. Jesus actually tells us that the foundation is going to be tested at some point. Matthew 7, 27 says this, And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. Matthew describes more of a storm than Luke does. Um, that's a pretty scary storm there, kind of a hurricane actually coming through. Uh, and, and Matthew describes the storm not as uh, just a little storm like we had yesterday. He describes it almost like a hurricane or a tropical storm that is coming in. There's strong winds and strong rain, and, and then there is flooding. And with this in mind, the foundation of the home is extremely important. With this kind of weather, with that kind of thing coming in, if that house doesn't have a solid foundation, it will not last. Only those structures with the strongest of foundations have a shot. If you look at a a hurricane when it hits a beached area, there's only a few buildings that usually make it through, and they're huge, and they have really deep foundations. They're usually towers, condominiums, things like that, that actually are still standing after the storm comes through. The houses that didn't build near as low didn't go all the way down to the rock, they're wiped out, right? All, all other foundations have no true depth. Only Jesus Christ is the solid rock. And the epitome of this storm that we see here, the, the epitome of that is death. The, the, the greatest storm that you will face on this side of eternity isn't losing your job. It, it, it's not losing a loved one. It, it's death. That, that will be where your foundation is shaken the most. It, it will be where, if you are not on the solid rock of Christ, it will become very apparent very quickly because of where you end up. This will be the greatest test of your foundation, whether it is 
right or not. So when the, when you're, when the house of your life, when your life is pummeled by the storm of death, how will it end for you? Friends, is, is this how you want your life to end? Do you want your life story to be? And the ruin of the house was great. Or as Matthew says, and great was the fall of it. Yeah, you might have had a great life on earth, and, and you lived it up, and you had a great retirement account, and you had cool relationships, and you enjoyed all this, but what does it gain a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? I pray that this isn't the story of anyone's life here. There's no more important decision than you have, that you have to make than to build your life on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And as I was writing this message, as I was praying through this, uh, I realized just how many of us understand churchies. Uh, the, 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 the way we talk, the way we say things, the way that we act, the way that we look, the way that we dress, whatever it is, we understand what we're supposed to do. But I, I'm afraid that many in our churches today still have a, a shallow foundation. They're that beach house beside the condo. And they, man, it's pretty. It's a nice looking beach house. But the hurricane comes and it's leveled so quickly. And, I, and I'm afraid there are a lot of us in the church, I pray not in this church, but a lot of us in the church that did not dig down to the rock. We've built our house. It, it looks like the right thing. Uh, it, it acts like the right thing. It, 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 everything, we, we say the right things. We do the right things. We but are we really built on the solid rock? And we see this happen with people when they go through a storm in life, not necessarily the end storm. We don't know what happens there because we're not there. But we see something just shake someone's faith, and we see them, what we, see, what we would call fall away, and we understand that that's because that foundation was not on the solid rock. Those who are true saints do persevere. Uh, Jesus says, no one can pluck them out of my hands. He doesn't lose one that is his. But I pray that, that we're not like those that have not fully repented, uh, that, that have not died to themselves and said, okay, I'm going to have you build this house and this foundation, and I'm going to step back. So many of us, I think, really struggle to let go of those reins of our lives. They say that they follow Christ, but they do not do what Christ commands. I pray that that is not someone here. I just pray that we, we're sure that we're built on the sure and steady foundation of Jesus Christ. Be, be sure that you're sure that you're a believer. Be sure that you truly know who you follow. As we come to a close, I pray today's message has challenged us to ask that question, who, who do we follow? I pray that it's also helped us to look at other people and see and ask them that question, who do you follow, to count that cost. I pray that each one here has decided to follow Jesus. And if you just decided that today, as you've asked that question, who do I follow? And you realize, I follow myself. I'm following the teachings of this person. I'm following this, and I need to say that I follow Christ. I would love to talk to you after the service to tell you what it means to repent, to truly, fully repent, and not just play the game, but truly do life with Christ. As the old hymn states, my hope is, is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. My friends, that song is true. All other ground is truly sinking sand. There is only one true and firm foundation, and that is Jesus Christ, our Savior and our rock. Only a life built on Christ can stand firm into eternity and can handle the storm of death. Let us pray.
Lord God, I pray that if anyone here does not know you personally as their Lord and Savior, maybe they've done the right thing, said the right things, maybe they prayed that prayer, maybe they walked that aisle, maybe they did whatever, but they didn't, but they realized that their life has not been built on the, tr- on the rock, that they really don't have a foundation that was dug deep, that was placed sturdy, that they, they've seen their life tossed back and forth like the waves of the sea, and they've realized that maybe they're not really in Christ. I would love to talk to someone if, if that is where they're at and, and share with them how they can go all in. For us who are, who, who, who are saved, and, and we've had that confirmed, we know, uh, you know, we don't want to just doubt our salvation. That could be a really dangerous side too. So I pray against that. If we are truly saved, may you confirm that in us. May you let us know that, that we are children of the Most High God, that we are adopted as sons and daughters of the King. But God, we still need to obey more. May we humble ourselves and repent, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, be more determined to step in obedience to you. And may you empower us to do what only you can do in us. God, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. Thank you for your word, as tough as it is to go through, as tough as it is to obey. Thank you for your word. May you continue to change us from the inside out and make us who you want us to be. Sooner or else, may we pray. Amen. Have a blessed week.